Works. It is the day after Christmas, and although we're not having an in-person service this morning at Milton Baptist Church, I did want to uh, just share with you um, some thoughts this Boxing Day about Christmas in general. And and Christmas, it seems, is becoming an ever-increasingly divisive thing among God's people. And there are those that have strong views about Christmas, those that are very anti-Christmas, those that are uh, very pro-Christmas, and, you know, neither of the two shall meet, it seems, at times. But here's the thing, and and you're free to have whatever view you want. And and we understand that biblically uh, the events that are portrayed in the nativity scene aren't entirely always uh, accurate. We know that uh, Scripture points us to the fact that the uh, Magi that came to uh, worship the Lord when they arrived to see him, it was much, much later than when he was the babe in the manger. But but nonetheless, the, the point of the matter is that, you know, Although the details may not be uh, traditionally what they are uh, biblically, the message is the same, and that's the important thing. And, 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 and whatever Christmas stirs up within your spirit, uh, I want to say to you this morning that the correct Christmas response should be one that is of joy and praise about the Lord Jesus Christ and his incarnation. If this time of year stirs up a spirit of anger and attack in you, then I think you are completely missing it and you're getting bogged down by the silliest of things. Um, Christmas is a time where we as believers get to talk about our message. And our message is one of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came, took on flesh and walked this earth for us. And really we should have a response this Christmas of joy and praise. And that's what I've entitled this little message, a Christmas, a correct response. And I want to look at um, two uh, examples of different uh, groups and how they responded to the incarnation and how that should be our example for how we respond to the incarnation. So the first example I want to bring us to this morning is that of Elizabeth and Mary. Turn with me, please, if you have your Bibles at home there, to Luke chapter number 1 and verse 39. Luke chapter number 1 and verse 39. And the word of God reads this, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. From whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And notice immediately the reaction to the presence of Christ. The presence of Christ should always elicit a reaction. Whether it be from the demonic realm when he was there, there was a reaction. Whether it be from the unsaved Gentiles, there was a reaction. Whether it be from the unbelieving Jews, there was a reaction. Christ will always, always elicit a reaction to people when he is presented 
to them. But here John the Baptist is a baby in the womb of Elizabeth. And as Elizabeth and Mary meet, there's a reaction. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Ghost and she prophesies, she foretells under the power of God and she says, blessed are you Mary among women. See, the, the, to be the mother of Messiah was a crave position within uh, Judaism. Why would it not be? Who wouldn't want to be the mother of the promised Messiah, the Redeemer, the one that was going to rescue Israel and deliver Israel and, and, and put Israel back to the place that they were to be in the earthly realm? God's elect nation would once again rise. What Jewish woman wouldn't want to be? the mother of the Messiah. We mustn't forget that the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. They were longingly, eagerly desiring that their Messiah would come. Each and every day a prayer was made for Messiah to come, recited and recited. Still to this day the Jews will do this. The problem was that they weren't waiting for the Messiah. The problem was that they weren't ready for the Messiah that came. And they missed him. But the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. And look with me in verse 44 there of Luke 1. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. The baby leapt in the womb. Why did it leap in the womb? As a response to the Messiah, the incarnated one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that response was joy. It was joy. And this is the response we should have to the incarnation. One of joy. Not misery, not, not, not anger, not one that we want to just attack anybody that has a Christmas tree in their living room or attack people that like to celebrate and sing carols about Christmas or get upset over the fact that Jesus wasn't actually born on December the 25th. We don't get in such a, a tizzy when the world uh, stops for Good Friday. When really I think the scriptures and many others would agree with me point to the fact that Christ was born uh, probably on a Wednesday or a Thursday. I think probably a Wednesday. But nonetheless we don't get so upset about that. Because we remember that we are remembering. And when it comes to Christmas Day we're remembering the in not the day of his birth, but the fact that he was born into this world. And as we remember this, it should fill us with joy. The king has come and did come. Rejoice, rejoice. Be full of joy. And as we are filled with joy, as we uh, take that response... That should lead us for, from joy to praise because praise is a natural outflow of joy. You know, that's what we do at Christmas, isn't it? We receive our presents and we're joyful that we get gifts from those that love us. And, and as we get these gifts and we enjoy them and we rejoice in them, we, we, we praise the one who gave them to us. We say thank you. 
remember when I was a, a, a child that my mother would make me phone around all those that give me Christmas gifts and, and say thank you, even from people I didn't really know. And she said, that's good manners, it's good practice. You know, if people are willing to take the time to give to you, then you should do what's right and you should thank them. You should praise them for what they've done for you. And, and that's a correct uh, outflow from joy. And, and that's what we see here in the account of the incarnation. Look with me in Luke chapter number 1 and verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats. Exalted them of low degree, he hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath set empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. What we've just read is known as Mary's Magnificat or Mary's song or hymn of praise and she sings unto the Lord and it's full of praise uh, praising God for his faithfulness to Israel because the Messiah has come praising God for uh, his blessings upon her because she has been chosen to have the privilege of being the earthly mother of Messiah. And this Magnificat shows us these great things, uh, these reversals, if you like, that the proud are humbled and the humble are exalted. And this poor young girl, in terms of uh, financial aspects, she had no uh, state of regard, as it were. She wasn't the rich and famous amongst Israel. But God had chosen her to be the mother of Messiah. And this song of praise, this hymn of praise from Mary, is full of allusions and, 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 and passages that come from the Old Testament. Many of the truths that are in here are found in Hannah's prayer as she prays and praises the Lord in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And you can uh, look at that and I would encourage you to look at that in your own time and, and, and do comparisons between the two. Mary's Magnificat is a wonderful song of praise and it comes out of the great joy manifested in the incarnation, the realization that the Messiah had come. The promised one, the deliverer was in the womb of Mary. And what we see with Elizabeth and Mary is a correct response at Christmas. And that response is one of joy that outworks itself or manifests itself into praise. The two are interconnected. They're intertwined. Response to joy is praise. If we're joyful, we praise the one who has made us joyful. 
or the reason that we're joyful. It's a natural response. So our first example, uh, Mary and Elizabeth, we see joy followed by praise. Let's have a look at our second example this morning. We have the angels and the shepherds. Continue on in, in Luke's story in Luke chapter number 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all that went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, and into the city of David, which was called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was when they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angels of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And it shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So here we move to the birth of Christ. And at the birth of Christ, we see the angel declare this in verse 10 of Luke chapter number 2. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, behold, For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. Not fear, but tidings of great joy. And notice it says, unto all people. And this brings us back to the Abrahamic covenant. This covenant, this unconditional covenant that was given to Abraham hundreds of years before. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 And I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Again, the Jew was acutely aware of this, (coughs) excuse me, unconditional covenantal promise of God. This was given to the Jews and they knew it well. And, and, you know, the Jews had many other uh, covenants that were given to them, some conditional, some unconditional. But the Abrahamic covenant is primary in all those covenants in relation to Israel. It's the foundation, it's the bedrock for the uh, land covenant and the Davidic covenant and the new covenant, which all spring out of the Abrahamic covenant. And the Jew was firmly aware of the promises that were given to Abraham all those years ago. They were waiting for those promises to be fulfilled. They were expecting of those promises. They were waiting for their Messiah and they knew also that as a result of the promises given to them that when Messiah would come it would not only be a blessing to them but it would be a blessing to all people and that's what the angel declared at the incarnation that the blessing is to all people. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 again fear not 
For behold, I bring good tidings of great joy. There it is, joy, which shall be to all people. Not only to Israel who were waiting for their Messiah, but to all. All people. The word tidings in Greek comes from the same word that we get the word gospel or good news. And the birth of Christ, the incarnation, is one of good news. It's not something that should set us in a place where we become miserable. As believers today, no matter your position and some of the stuff that's gone around Christmas, if this incarnation, if the birth of Christ brings you to a place where you walk about with a a misery face on, that you are one that is just full of attack and vitriol and bitter in your spirit, then you have missed the correct Christmas response. It is to be one of joy. And shame on you for that. The birth of Christ is one that demands the response of joy. And that's what we see in the angel. As the angel declares, great joy. From that joy, there was then praise. Look at verse 13 of Luke chapter number 2. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them unto heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherd returned, shepherds returned, gloriously glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So notice the praise here in response to the great joy or the declaration of great joy that the Messiah, the Redeemer, had been born, the Incarnation. And first of all, the praises from the angels. Look at verse 13 again. And suddenly there was from the, with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and earth peace, goodwill towards men. So notice the praise there from the angels. Glory to God. They were glorifying God because uh, the joy is manifested in praise of the one who gave. And that's what the the thanking, the praising is. It's praising the giver of the great gift. And the gift in this occasion is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're reminded of uh, uh, as we think about the incarnation. He is the greatest gift, but never forget the giver. God himself. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is 
God that gave. He gave his only begotten son. He didn't have to. He didn't need, need to. He wanted to. He desired to. So that we could have a relationship with God again. Our sin could be dealt with. That we could walk in fellowship with God once again. The fellowship that was broken all those years in the Garden of Eden by the first Adam. Could be restored at the death of the last Adam. But it was God that gave. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And as we think about God as the great giver of this gift and the joy that it brings to our heart to receive that gift, our response should then move to praise as we praise and glorify God for what he has done. You see, the angels did it, and then also notice the shepherds did it. Verse 20 of Luke 2. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Once the shepherds visited the, uh, the babe in the manger, they saw Christ and they returned and noticed what they were doing. They were praising God. Joy had filled their heart. It had outworked itself and praised to God. The joy at the gift had delivered a response of praise to the giver and they glorified God for what he was doing in the redemption of man and of the nation Israel. Their joy had manifested into praise. So we've just looked at two examples from Scripture this morning. We've looked at Elizabeth and Mary. And then we've looked at the angels of the shepherds. And we've seen in both times that the response to Christ, to the presence of Christ, should be one of joy followed by praise. That's the example that is set to us in Scripture at the birth and the events around the birth of Christ. Now I wonder as we fast forward all those years to right here, right now, to our lives, to this Christmas season that we've entered into and we're coming out of, what our response has been to the birth of our Savior. Has it been one of joy? And has it been one of praise? You see, we can't separate the two, and we shouldn't separate the two. The great joy we have in our Savior should result in great praise of our Savior, and the two should come together in harmony. They're, they're two sides of the same coin, and as we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, as, as we love the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be filled with joy, and we should be filled with praise of the one who came to be the lamb that was offered up for the sin of the world, the one that came to be the redeemer, the one that came to offer himself for our sins, the one that came to give us righteousness that we could not earn ourselves, the one that came to give us a right relationship with God, the one that came to give us grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And as we remember him, his birth at this time. We should be filled with joy and we should be filled with praise because that, folks, is a correct Christmas response. Now, you may say, well, 
Pastor, I've enjoyed this message. And some of you will say maybe you haven't enjoyed it, but uh, that's up to you. <laughs> but some will say, well, this would have been a better message maybe last week, Pastor. Or, or this would have been a better message uh, maybe on Christmas Day, uh, Pastor. You know, it's Boxing Day and you're putting this out on the internet. And, and you know, the day's passed. You know, the, the season's passed moving on to the new year. But you think, here the, here's the thing. When we boil this down, really and truly, that Christmas is not a, a Christmas message. The incarnation, it's not a Christmas message. It's a Christian message. It's an all-year message. It's an all-day, every day, every week, every month, every year of our lives as believers on this earth. That the Christmas message is really the Christian message. And therefore, we should be filled with joy at the incarnation. Be praising our Lord and our Savior because of who He is and what He's done every day. Every day. Not just one time a year. The unsaved world, the secular world, may sing songs of the Redeemer. They may sing carols not knowing what they sing. And they do that once a year. And they may do their little nativities and whatever it may be. They do that once a year. And they talk about the message without fully understanding the message. But we understand that we have it. It has been revealed to us by God. We've been illuminated by the Spirit. We know the truth of the incarnation. We know the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us, that's not just a Christmas message. It's a Christian message and it should be every day of our lives on this earth that we should be filled with joy and praise at the incarnation of our Saviour. Because that's the correct response of everything that goes on around this Christmas season. I wonder then, is your heart filled with joy and are your lips full of praise? Because that's the correct response. Not just this Christmas, but each and every day for those that know and love the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Amen.